This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, and Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280. I want to remind you, get your foursome together and sign up today for the Dyslexia Center of Utah Charity Golf Tournament. Join the fun May 13th at Cedar Hills Golf Course. 100% of the proceeds goes to the Dyslexia Center Scholarship Fund. Space is limited. Find out more at dyslexiacenterofutah.org. That's dyslexiacenterofutah.org. Go out and play some golf for a, uh, a terrific cause. Got to love golf tournament season, Gordon. Get out yes. Well, I was thinking about it over the last few days, but not today. No, not but, today. Uh, not on no, a day where not we, today. we got an inch of snow. Yeah. But a great cause. I love that, man. The golf is a great way for people to contribute to things. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Uh, joining us now, senior writer for The Athletic, uh, covers the NFL. He's our friend Mike Sando. What's going on, Mike? How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm not sure uh, where you are in the country, but did you get an inch of snow today? We did not. I'm in the Pacific Northwest in the, okay. in the Seattle-Tacoma area. We actually had the dogs laying out on the deck today. It was nice sunshine. <laughs> you know, a little cool. You know, you, you might you might have a light pullover on, but you might not. You know? so not kidding. Complain. It was it was 78 here on Sunday, and this morning <laughs> we had an inch of snow. So that's Amazing. that's Utah in the springtime. It's, it's yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh-huh. Uh, Mike, let's let's talk a little NFL. How badly should Zach Wilson not want to go to the Jets? <laughs> well, he should want to go there less badly than a couple of years ago. You know, I think they can't do worse than they've done before. I've said on the Darnold front, you know, Sam Darnold, if their goal had been to ruin him and make sure he did not succeed, I don't know that if they would have done anything differently. You know, every time they had a good player, they traded him or he got out of there. You really think about it. I mean, Robbie Anderson was talented. He left. Leonard Williams was talented. He's gone. Jamal Adams was talented. He's gone. And everywhere you turn, people are like, hey, great job getting value for these players. Well, yeah, but they're all their best players, right? I mean, they're the only team in the league that hasn't had a pro bowler on offense the last five years. So I think that they're going to do better than that. You know, they have a lot of draft capital. I think they've added some more pieces. You know, this year they've Shoot, Corey Davis was a disappointment in Tennessee. He's better than anything they've had catching passes there. So, you know, you're if you're going to be picked in the top three or five, you're probably not going to the best team in the league, right? And I think at least we feel like they're possibly trending in a good direction where they've been mired in complete, you know, jail for the last three years. Sometimes, Mike, as you know better than most, the NFL draft or the days leading up to it can be a game of deception. Is there any way the Jets are playing games here? Is there any way they won't pick uh, Zach Wilson? Any way they would go for, say, Justin Fields? Yeah, there is a way. And in the, in the, if they had him higher and that's who they really want, it doesn't seem that way. You know, I mean, just everybody in the league thinks, uh, I mean, 100% certainty on the top pick being you know, Trevor Lawrence and 
90% certainty that Zach Wilson's the next guy. You never know. I mean, you're, you're really, you know, I think that Joe Douglas, their GM, has done a pretty good job of keeping things close to us. We weren't hearing a bunch of stuff happening on Darnold, and all of a sudden Darnold's traded, right? So they could have a different feel. We just haven't heard anything along those lines. It seems like it's going to be Wilson. What do you make of that pick? Um, well, I think that, you know, from the evaluators that I respect and talk to in the league, there's a clear drop after him to the next group. And so I think that's why, like, a team like Carolina decided they would rather have Darnold for what it would cost, you know, not that much, as opposed to doing what the 49ers did, trading up to three but not getting one of the top two guys. I think people feel like there's a, a real drop there. So um, I'm I'm fine with the Jets taking a quarterback they really like and getting a fresh start for everybody. Um there with that pick it seems to make sense to me how do you think darnold will uh, will do in carolina i think he's going to do better you know i i think that uh uh i think he'll be okay i think he's got good talent um and was just in a really horrible situation i don't think there's any guarantee he's going to be great but i think i think they're not going to re- regret it after year i think they'll be looking forward to 2022 it'll be a little bit of a prove it year and uh you know if things go well for him wouldn't be surprised if he got an extension Uh, i think he's okay mike why would the niners move up to three if they if they if there is a clear drop off do do they not believe that or what well maybe they couldn't get the two (laughs) you know and these teams get desperate for having options at the quarterback position and for them they feel like they're pretty dang close you know that if their quarterback's healthy they're in the mix and they haven't been able to get Jimmy Garoppolo healthy, keep him healthy. They missed out on Matt Stafford. They weren't going to do Carson Wentz, uh, and who didn't want to go there anyway, probably because he wanted to go with Frank Reich. So here they are, right? Like, what are we going to do? And obviously they weren't as hot on Darnold. So they have a head coach who in Kyle Shanahan who really pulls the strings there. And sometimes when you have that, you don't need a consensus on guys, I think, outside the top two, you're going to have a hard time getting a consensus on. Your whole building's not going to be in love with Mac Jones. So maybe it's the coach saying, you know what, just get me up there, get me a guy, I'll have a guy drafted, I'll have Garoppolo, and we'll figure it out. Mike Sando is with us from The Athletic here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Mike, you're up there in the Pacific Northwest, and I want to ask you about uh, Russell Wilson and the current status with the Seahawks. But, man, has that ever been a weird story this offseason where he he's accepting an award and uses it as an excuse to go on a media tour and kind of complain about uh, yeah. his offensive line and what's going on? And then he says, no, I'm not demanding a trade, but if I were, here are the teams I'd go to. I thought that was weird. <laughs> yeah. uh, where Where is that saga now? Yeah, well, the, you notice the team hasn't said a word. You know, they've really kind of let him – hang out there you know i think when aaron Rodgers made some curious comments after the season and sort of throughout the time since they've drafted uh you know jordan love um their team came out right away and said he's not going anywhere we're not trading for that and yeah. it, it sort of ended you still you still hear some kind of snide remarks every once in a while from uh rogers you know uh he lets his opinions kind of get out there of what the team should be doing but there's not a lot of talk about a trade I, seattle just sort of let it hang out there um, now we're seeing, I think, the initial fear or the initial controversy has passed. They're getting closer to getting back to 
you know, having the team together. We've seen Russell Wilson's public statements sort of turn to being supportive of teammates, supportive of players re-signing with the team. I think he'll go, you know, back in, try to have a good year. And then if it ends disappointingly, you know, maybe we'll be in the same sort of situation next offseason with rumblings and complaints and finger pointing. Um, and maybe the team will be in a little bit more prepared position to do something else. You know, maybe they would consider trading them if they could get good picks, that sort of thing. Well, you mentioned earlier Aaron Rodgers' name. Now, my partners here on the show, they they think that Aaron Rodgers' performance on Jeopardy was boring. I thought he did a terrific job. Mike, I need an expert's opinion. Yeah. How do you think he did? You know, i got to go back and review the film, the All-22 Jeopardy <laughs> film, you know, I'm gonna have to really look at that. But my first impression was positive. You know, I just like seeing him in that role. He seems to enjoy it. He always has that smirk on his face like he's sort of in on the joke he's three jokes ahead you know i love the guy making the, the question answer about the field goal <laughs> decision so we'll see if he can sustain it but i think it's kind of i think it's kind of fun i want to ask you about uh, deshaun watson and uh you know what what he's going through right now is is very very serious but uh, my question i guess is is based on how the nfl has handled previous situations and the ezekiel elliott thing comes to mind is there any way he plays this year Mm, yes, there's. If there's some resolution to these cases, you know, you could see there being a suspension, but it not being for the whole year. Uh, it just feels like there's. It would be hard now, you know. Uh, and I thought today was a real step in the case when you had it stopped being just potentially an attorney who's stirring things up with anonymous cases and looked like he was trying to play everything to the greatest effect and all of that. Well, that's different now when you have names and faces of people who are clearly emotionally affected by you know they're not they're not just making it up right they're now having a press conference and you're like wow that was powerful i thought it shifted for watson in a bad way today and and it wouldn't be surprising at all if there was some sort of a suspension he could be in kind of a limbo purgatory remember he doesn't he said he didn't want to play for them anyway so i do think there's a better and better chance he doesn't play but it's probably a little early to just say it's for sure that he's out for the year. Mike, you've been covering the NFL for a long time now and watching the game and as it has evolved with the rules changes and whatnot. It sure seems like in order to be a great uh, or even a really good team, you have to have a really good quarterback like we were talking about earlier. Is it more that way now than it used to be? I mean, it's always been important, right? But is it even more that way now than it ever was? Oh, no doubt about it. You know, if you, if you were to go way, you know, go back to the 70s, you could you had quarterbacks throwing the ball 10 or 12 times in a game and and that could be enough. So you'd almost never be in a situation where you had to pass. You know, I think now uh so much of the game is is in the quarterback's hands that uh you know, you should probably prepare your team under the assumption you're not going to have one of the great ones. Um because if you're good on defense and special teams, you can win a lot of games in the NFL. Uh, you may have a hard time winning at all, but you can compete. And then if you're lucky enough to get one of those kind of special guys, especially if you can get them on a rookie contract that's not so expensive, you may have a window. Even then, it's hard. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers, one championship, right? Drew Brees, one championship. It's just a lot harder when you don't have one of those guys. Well, then why would the Seahawks ever fiddle-faddle around? Wouldn't you do everything possible to make uh... – 
to, to, to make uh, your situation up there perfect for a quarterback? I mean, I know everyone's human and whatnot, but you got to hold yeah. on to the great one when you got one, right? Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I think you do. Uh, you, your job is to not try to win a public spat with your quarterback who's unhappy. It's to win games with him being a, a key role of that. I think sometimes we're seeing if, if a player doesn't want to be in a situation, doesn't want to be there, they can make it a sort of – they can sort of wear you out. You know, I think what we want to see is, is that what's happening? Was this just sort of an isolated thing this off season? Because if it continues and there's always something, you know, and it just becomes a high-maintenance situation, I think then you you almost – it can be hard to win eventually with that too, right? It can start being a negative thing. And so that's why you saw like this off season, you know, Matthew Stafford just said, I, I don't want to be here anymore, and they decided not to fight it. Or Carson Wentz didn't want to be in Philly. They're not going to fight it. A little different with Wilson because, you know, he's won a championship and is probably playing at a higher level than those guys. But – if he wants to make it uncomfortable enough, you know, I think then he can probably get out. I, I think we've seen the results of this a little bit, but with Patrick Mahomes getting the money that he's getting, um, how how many tough goodbyes are the Chiefs going to have with some players maybe they really like? Well, they've got rid of both of their starting tackles, um, you know, this year. That had a lot to do with injuries, too, but also their price. Um, uh, Mahomes is contract you know doesn't have the really high cap numbers yet so they're they're not really feeling it but i think you fast forward a couple of years you know travis kelsey's a little bit older um you know will tyree kill still be healthy you know those types of things could come up for them and it's hard to replace the really transcendent um receivers so i'm with you to the extent that I, i don't think it gets any easier over time to sustain it especially once you know his contract's gonna eat up more of their resources what could help them is, you know, if these revenues really jack up the salary cap two, three years from now, that could that could ease it for them. And if he remains good enough, then you can kind of keep redoing this deal, creating even more room in the short term and uh, ride it out. Dan Snyder, Mike, he, uh, he bought out some other uh, minority owners there in, uh, in Washington. Um when I saw that, I wondered what the reaction of uh, Washington football team fans was to that yeah. news. And when I bring that up now, my question to you is: What order is the most important in the in the in the success of a pro football team? If you include owner, uh, GM, coach, what order do you rank them in in importance? Well, if you it's a, it's a great question. I mean, it's probably the owner can ruin the whole thing if they're bad. Okay, any one of those, if they're really bad, ruins the whole thing. If you have a great owner, the other things are going to flow from that. They're going to take care of themselves, right? So I think I, if I could choose anything to start out with, I think it would be a great owner. Because look, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals or some of these teams are just consistently, even the Dallas Cowboys, you know, with a, a a Hall of Fame owner, but more from the business sense. And Jerry Jones, he gets in the way enough that it's hard to really get over the top. So I would take that because I think then everything else takes care of itself. You'll have a good GM and a good coach. Mike, thank you for jumping on with us as always. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there we go. That's our friend Mike Sando from The Athletic. Uh, he does a great job. Big thanks to him for jumping on with us. He's he's uh, more optimistic about the Jets 
than I am. Uh, for Zach I've heard Wilson. other people express that opinion as well, uh, thinking that there may be a change in the wind. But I don't know. We'll see. Time to get with, worse. Yeah, I agree with them. I think I'd, I'd be, I'm at the point now where I'd be shocked if the Jets don't take Zach Wilson. You know, I guess it could happen. I mean, we see crazy things like that now and again. But, but, but to tie it into your last question, Gordon, the Jets have a bad owner. Well, that's been the track record. Yeah. I mean, and you asked about Washington. You know, Washington's got a bad owner. I mean, there are some owners out there that I'm kind of up in the air on. They could be good, could be bad. Maybe there's some, some gray area there. Well, Woody Johnson and Dan Snyder have a pretty thorough track record of being bad owners. I've asked that question of a lot of people through the years. As you know, Jake, you've heard me ask that, and you and I have talked about it. But I think the vast majority of people answer like Mike just did, don't they? Uh, Owner number one. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah, so I mean that's working against. I mean it's working against them with the Jets. And and hey, how about this? I, there are bad owners I think that have won. I mean we could probably come up with examples, but you know usually good ownership leads to, you know, or at least goes hand in hand with success. What do you think Zach Wilson's handlers are telling him about the possibility that he could end up in green and white? Oh, because you can't poison the guy. You can't sit there and go, oh, man, you don't want that. You don't want that. You don't want that. And then it happens, and you go in with a negative mindset. Well, the thing is, if he's the guy to turn around the Jets, I mean, the, the upside of that is huge. At King of New York. Right. You, you turn around. So Willie Namath did all right. You turn around a franchise in, uh, in the biggest market in the country. Albeit the Jets, though, are second banana to the Giants, right? And uh, hearing you talk about such things, that never changes. Uh, it could change. Well, uh, yeah, it's a good question how what it would take to to change that completely. Uh, I, I, but New York is New York, man. You know, I mean, if you do it there, you can do it anywhere, Jake. Didn't you tell me it was impossible <laughs> for the Clippers to do that in L.A.? <laughs> that was a Frank Sinatra. Yeah, yeah I gotcha. Uh, no, I didn't say it would be impossible. I just said it'd be really hard. Because the Lakers are king of L.A., aren't they? I mean, they're 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 the absolute kings. They're above. They're they're even above the Dodgers, I'd say. Lakers, I probably put it in the order of Lakers at the top, then the Dodgers, and then uh, what? Hmm. <laughs> What's the soccer team in L.A. There? Huh? No, I I'd, I'd probably go. Rams and then, and then Chargers. Um, what am I leaving out? Yeah, the soccer team, LAFC. Um, Don't but they have that, two soccer teams. Yeah, um, I think the other one. Yeah, they, they do. The Galaxy. They oh the no, Galaxy no, no, no! I was fold, thinking right? the FC one. Didn't they fold? Well, no, I know Chivas USA. Chivas. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, folded. Yeah, folded. But I think LAFC because they had that Zlatan guy for a while, right? And then I don't the know Galaxy the, are still around. That's where sure Lawton was the Galaxy. I'm not sure where I would put the Kings. You know, they're, they, they do pretty well on certain years. Anyway, that, to, to be at the top of that heap, uh, yeah, it's pretty hard to knock. The Clippers, uh, if they won 
if they won like five consecutive championships, maybe they'd be there. Maybe. Well, no, to, I mean, to overtake your Lakers, that's why I bring it up. L A K E R S. not going to happen. No, I don't think we'll see that happen in our lifetimes. Uh, but. Well, so Zach Wilson probably not going to overtake the Giants. I'm not sure that the Giants hold that position quite to that level. Well, nobody's York. the Lakers. I mean, come on. No, no. You got the Yankees there. You got, you know, the Mets, I guess, would be substandard to the Yankees. And the Knicks, uh, the Nets. <laughs> I don't know. But, but it's still New York. You know, it's still the bright lights. And I'd say even if the Jets uh, would be just a notch below the Giants, they're still a couple of notches above a whole lot of NFL franchises around the country. All right. We'll have uh, our friend Bob Casper from Real Golf Radio is going to join us coming up next. Stay tuned. We're going to preview the Masters. Bowler jumps on with us at 5. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Joining us now is the 2003 Masters winner, Mike Weir. How much extra does the adrenaline get going and the heart start pumping when you're driving down Magnolia Lane and all that stuff, knowing that you're going to play in the Masters? It's definitely extra. And, you know, as a kid growing up in Canada, you know, we had fairly similar climates here as Utah. And when spring's here, the Masters is here and be able to play in it and been lucky enough to win it, I still get chills every time I get there and the first time you drive down Magnolia Lane for the week, a lot of things come flooding back and a lot of excitement and anticipation, you know, in the air. It's an exciting time. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This Uinta Golf Masters update with Bob Casper is brought to you by Mountain Land Supply, Zion's Bank, Black Desert Resort, and get some guns and ammo. Now, here's Real Golf Radio's Bob Casper. All right, it's the big show. Let's talk about the Masters getting out of the zone phone. Of course, you hear the big voice guy there, co-host of Real Golf Radio every Saturday morning here on the zone. He's our friend Bob Casper. What's up, Bob? Hey, Jake. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. It, uh, it feels like we just talked to you about the Masters. What's this turnaround this year? Like just <laughs> Five months ago. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy. But it's nice to have it back where it belongs, right? Oh, yeah. It's nice to have it back in April. November was kind of an anomaly with, uh, with everything being pushed back because of COVID and the golf course playing a little softer and a little easier. And the guys are just saying that it's the golf course is playing a lot faster now and the greens are a lot firmer, firm, way firmer than they've ever seen early in the week. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they play. Of course, Justin Thomas shot, or not Justin Thomas, but um, uh, Dustin Johnson shot 20 under par and broke the scoring record last time. And uh, the guys are probably going to be under uh, under 10 under par. Yeah, I wonder how do the members? I wonder how the members feel about these pros coming in and just tearing the golf course apart. You know, it's. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, you've had a couple times. Tiger, of course, in 97, um, he shot, uh, he broke the scoring record. And then Jordan Spieth in 2015, he tied, tied Tiger. 
Let's put Bob on hold. Bob, yeah, we're having trouble. Him. If you can hear us, we're having trouble with your, your phone connection there. We'll get back to Bob yes, here we momentarily. Yeah. But uh, interesting to hear him uh, with the, the uh, how tough the course is going to be. Because playing at a different time of year, that matters. That probably played into well, see, the big score we saw Dustin Johnson get. My memory of Augusta National watching is, is man, how, how fast those greens are, how difficult the course is. And it just seems like in recent times these guys have sort of had their way with it. Well, this, I mean, that's not a new thing, right? Wasn't that a thing when Tiger came along? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking of way back in the day when you know I was growing up watching golf. Bob, uh, Bob is back with us. Bob, finish, finish yeah. your thought. You were right in the mid thought okay, answering so, Gordon's question. Yeah, so, um, so eighteen under par was was the scoring record with Tiger and Jordan Spieth. Last time was 2015. Uh, then you saw, you know, you see, you see him shooting anywhere from ten to fourteen under par. Um, the last few years, and then Dustin Johnson breaks out with 20 under par last last November. So I I, I just expect it to be a, the conditions to be a little firmer and a little bit more tougher, um, and and I think we're going to see uh, we're going to see some a little bit higher scores, but it's still going to be somewhere around eight, uh, ten, maybe twelve under par. Bob, as an observer of golf and a lover of golf. What number? What? How low should the numbers go? Where, where do you like it as far as a good tournament? Well, I like it right around there. I like it, you know, eight to twelve, um, and and it it determines a great champion, um, and it's uh, it's exciting to watch. You hear the roars on the weekend, um, stuff coming down, uh, you know, the stretch on the back nine, and when when that's going on. That's what makes it makes it exciting. Um, what I didn't, what I don't like is when, um, like when Zach Johnson won. Um, Zach ended up shooting one over par for the tournament. That's more like a U.S. Open to me. I like a golf tournament where there's some excitement, um, some roars. Guys are making birdies and eagles, um, but it doesn't get away too far like Dustin Johnson did last time. Bob, I'm sure you saw that video of uh, Bryson DeChambeau just mashing drives in front of EJ Singh. It's, I mean, it's that just was awesome. amazing what that dude is capable of. Is he going to set a trend? Are we going to see a, a a bunch of meathead long drivers now uh, come and try and make it happen? <laughs> is he a meathead? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, that that's exactly what the long drive guys do. Um, they swing and everything just like like Bryson does. You know, I, I don't know if we're going to continue to see that. Um, it requires a huge commitment. It requires um, somebody that has lots of talent as far as being able to get stronger, get bigger, um, and bulkier so that they can just uh, so that they can swing at it as hard as they can. Um, so I, I, you know, Rory McIlroy, um, he came out and said that um, he tried to do it. Um, tried to swing harder, tried to get more distance, and it and it messed up his game a little bit. So um, I, you know, it's something that's that's going to have to be worked on. Um, but I don't think it's I don't think we're going to see a steady diet of it. I think as as golfers get stronger and and become more athletic, then I think you're, that's where you're going to find it from. You know, guys that are a little bit taller get a little bit bigger swing arc with more club head speed. And then you're going to see guys hitting it further. Bob, is Jordan Spieth back? 
Well, he just won last week, so absolutely yeah. he's back. Uh-huh. Um, seven in his last seven starts, he's had he's had five top tens or, or better, and um, and he just won again. Um, for you know, it's been what three years, four years, something like that since he's won, and so um, yeah, he's he's really starting to get confidence, starting to feel better. Um, he, his short game is phenomenal. He's putting better. Uh, it's it's all it's all what needs to be done for him to win. And and now he's here at this uh, event at the at the Masters. And um, you know he the first time he played it, he finished second. The second time he played it, he won. And then the third time, um, he made that triple or quadruple bogey on the on the twelfth hole, and he lost, but still finished second in 2016 so he could have gone back to back but um i i just think he loves this golf course and i think you know he's got a pretty good chance this week the way he's playing what do you think about tony Finau's chances bob you know tony's coming off of a miscut um last week um he didn't make it to uh the sweet 16 in match play the week before um i i saw him down in i was down in san antonio or in austin at my daughter's house um, helping them move from Florida into into the Austin area, south of Austin. We went down and watched him on Thursday. Um, and, you know, he looked like he was hitting the ball well. He was a little loose, but um, I also talked with Boyd Summerhays um, there at, at that event, and he said he's just trying to keep his momentum going, going into the Masters. So I didn't expect him to play great last week, um, but I think he – he loves this golf course. He loves it when it plays in the spring, and I think Tony will play extremely well this week. You know, as we were talking about uh, these big hitters uh, in the uh-huh. modern game, it made me wonder how how would a guy like Mike Reed do in today's game uh, on these courses? It's so accurate with his shots, but not really yeah. a long hitter, right, Bob? Well, he wasn't a long hitter, but he was adequate. Um, and so the, there's Gordon, there's so many ways to win golf tournaments and so many ways to compete. Um, you know, Mike Weir, when he won, he did it with his wedge game because that week it rained and it rained really hard and the golf course played really slow and really long. And when it did that, um, it allowed the longer players not, not to be even be, to be able to hit the greens on the par fives and two. So that put, wedge in Mike's hand, which he's, he's a phenomenal wedge player and, uh, and allowed him to win the tournament. Zach Johnson's the same way. Zach Johnson did not go for one par five um, when he won, and I think he birdied every par five he played over the 72 holes except for one. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys don't hit it as long as, as the big guys. But when they're on and the big guys – um, aren't playing as well. They have an opportunity to win, but but strength and and distance is always a mitigating factor. And and those guys, when they're playing well, it's pretty hard to beat them. Bob, you are the best. Thanks for jumping on with us, and uh, we look forward to all of yours and Brian's coverage of the Masters this year. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good one. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate you. That's our friend Bob Casper. Again, Real Golf Radio every Saturday morning. But, uh, you, you know, Gordon, I catch those guys all the time. But on um, major weeks, I guess, and uh, shows on the weekend, they're, they're really, really good. Those guys do a great job.
Oh, there's no doubt about that. Those guys are legends. I love listening to those guys talk golf. Uh, I, I enjoy golf, and it's uh, it's fun to hear them break these things down. Uh, yeah, they've done a good job for a long, long time. All right, we'll have the Not Sports Report coming up next. Bowler at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It is the big show, but let's let's do a little giveaway, Gordon. Uh, we do this uh, during the major weeks, and uh, this year is no different. We partnered with our friends at Uinta Golf. Uh, be caller 12 right now, uh, 855-340-ZONE. It's the Uinta Golf Masters giveaway. Now, what happens? If you're caller 12, we assign you a golfer. If that golfer wins then you will play the branded driver that the golfer has in the bag. We'll give away the top 25 players, and then somebody gets the, the rest of the field. And uh, whatever player wins, taking home that branded driver. All right. Sounds good. Going to get you a new McGregor. <laughs> Back to the McGregor. I know. It's the only one I can think of. Get, get a good old McGregor out there. I liked, I had a Fila driver once. I still have Fila Woods, thank you? you very much. Because they're incredible. You know, they used to have like a manufacturer that, that made Fila clubs that was here. It was in really? Draper. Yeah. That's probably how I ended so up. So, yeah, them. I bought a set of Fila clubs a long time ago. And since have, they have stopped making golf equipment, but I still have my woods. Well, you aren't you a Fila guy? Yeah, that's my brand. Thus, I can't give, get rid of the woods. They're, they're like, how old are they now? 25 years old, and I'm still playing them. Well, uh, my clubs, I bought my clubs in the mid-'80s. They're Ping I 2s. Wow. You know, again, you can't, they, brand, they, are... you can't brag about the I-2 when Ping's on, like, I-24. Nobody's going to go, oh, I-2s. I know. That's what I'm saying. Should I get rid of those, or should I hold? Well, someone who knows golf, please call in to, to Austin right now and tell me whether I should get rid of those clubs. Gordon or, needs something uh, that you're able to brag about. Something that you can No, mention. something that make me help me play better. That when he's telling his friends about it, he can mention the model and they'll be impressed. No, I, I just want to play better. Or are the Ping I-2s as good as as anything that's out there now? I need to know this question. It's been uh, it's been itching at me for a long, long time. I need to know. I've got, the, I've got the answer for you, Gordon. What? The problem with your golf game is not equipment. Uh, well, <laughs> well, that's true. You got me there. <laughs> the equipment is not your issue. Yeah. Unfortunately, you are, you've never been more right. Hey, I'm in the same boat with you. I'm not pointing fingers by any means. But, yeah, I'm pretty confident that the issues we both have on the course are not. You know, we could have the nicest equipment out there. We're still not shooting a 70. <laughs> well, I've, yeah. Add 10 strokes, and that's where I like to be if I could get back to that point. 80? 80 is a heck of a round. You're shooting well, 80 what, these what, days? What, no. No, no. When I lived in California, I played three or four times a week, got up every morning and went and played nine holes of golf, and sometimes played Well, 18. Well, yeah, 80 and, over nine holes, sure. No, no, yeah, no, no. I could no, see no, you no, doing eight, that. No, no. I used to shoot 80 for 18, but I uh, haven't done that in, in a while. All right, uh, not sports next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Number one. Make us your number one preset. 
The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, The Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, hey guys. Jake here from my friends at Zero Res. And listen, it's spring. Uh, cleaning is definitely a thing in the spring. And when it comes to your carpets, nobody cleans better than Zero Res. They figure it out a better way to do it. I've been using them for years, and they are absolutely amazing. And no matter what you've tracked into your house and into your carpets over the wintertime, they're going to be able to take care of it. Trust me, I've given them unique challenges over the years, and they always come through for me. Of course, they have their powered water uh, technology, which is just amazing. It's electrolyzed water and it is uh, designed, basically, to get out, uh, to break down the dirt, soils, and allergens, making them easier to remove. So the process is better. And they also don't use chemicals. They don't use the soaps and shampoos. So those things leave behind residues, and those residues actually attract dirt back into your carpets. Plus, with Zero Res, you know, you you can count on it being safe for your kids and, and pets. They also do tile. They do carpet and tile. So they've got a great deal going on right now for Zone listeners. Uh, they'll get you zero res clean for just $33 a room, carpet or tile. That's $33. Bucks. Uh, a heck of a deal. Got to call them. Tell them Jake from the Zone sent you. Minimum supply, but no maximums. Clean the whole house. Call them. 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-ZERO. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report brought to you by our friends at the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Uh, over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Going to China. Okay. So, Jake, this is what happened, all right? And what are the odds of this? But this is a really weird one. All right, a really weird story. A woman went to her son's wedding all happy about the happiness that her her son had found with a beautiful bride. And as she is observing the proceedings and greeting her her son and, and his bride, she notices... On the bride's hand, a birthmark, an unusual birthmark. And that caught her attention because 20-some years earlier, she had had a baby girl. And the baby girl had a similar birthmark on her hand. But somehow she'd lost her daughter. It says here that 
she was left by on a roadside. Uh, now, it doesn't say whether it had been done on purpose, but uh, th- somehow the baby had been left on the roadside and been lost. And so it turned out that her son was marrying her daughter. Her son was marrying her daughter. And so as news spread at the wedding, this was the case because they, they put two and two together and said, yeah, I, I lost my daughter uh, on a roadside. And the, the parents of that woman had said, yes, we found this girl on the roadside some 20 years ago and had taken her in. So what do you think they did from there, Jake? Said I do and went off on the honeymoon? Well, it turned out that nobody had a problem with the two siblings, I guess, marrying each other because the the, the woman, the, the, the original woman I spoke of, had adopted a son as she was heartbroken to have lost her daughter and adopted a son. So they weren't blood related. So thus making would... this completely a odd story. Why didn't you leave with that or lead with that? Because that's just one of the twists in the story. It was still the mother. doesn't matter whether one was adopted or not. And yes, they didn't yes, know. It it. Genetically, it matters very much. Well, genetically, that's it why, matters. That's yeah, why but... you didn't mention it until the end, because you wanted this to be some brother Mary sister story. And then no, kind of at the end, it, like, it... and he was adopted. Anyway, moving on. Jake, I don't know how you can even miss the point of this. The thing is that the woman was overjoyed by fi- being reunited with her daughter again. And what, what, what are the odds of that happening? Her adopted son marrying, falling in love with, and marrying her daughter? This is just a regular wedding in West Virginia. No, it's not, though, because they're not actually brother and sister. Oh. And, by the way, just lost my daughter? It's incredible. You were going to skip over that? The mother lost the daughter and then adopted a son. And somehow the two of them fell in love, and the mother was reunited with her original daughter. You don't think that's unusual? Well, if I were the daughter, I'd be pretty bitter about it and not really looking to establish a relationship there. It says, at hearing the news, the overwhelmed bride burst into tears. She had been so desperate to know her biological family that she described the moment as being, quote, happier than the wedding day itself. Wow, I'd be super bitter myself. (laughs) I got bad news, though. This means that that woman now has to pay for both sides of the wedding. (laughs) Right? Because isn't it the traditionally the bride's family pays for part of it? No, 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 because the parents of the bride were still her parents. She should have waited till the next day after the bills had been signed and gone, oh, hey, uh, that birthmark looks familiar. No, no, no. The parents parents took care of that. Not the original mom. I mean, if you're the if you're the girl, though, aren't you asking the mom like what what you do? Just set me down and go for some cigarettes or something? Like how how 
How, how do you lose me on the side of the road? How'd that, how'd that happen? It doesn't, the story doesn't say. Were you, I, were you I look, sniffing glue? And, no, and just, I, I look, I, you know, I don't know how things work over in China. There's a lot of people over there. Maybe, I don't know. They're just losing kids? Says all the guests who came to the wedding heard about the story and were doubly joyous over the event and sent their best wishes to the couple and the mother and the daughter. Nice story. Come on, Jake. That's not a nice story. <laughs> All right. It's bizarre. I don't know. I'll give you if that. If that one doesn't, if that story doesn't wow you, I don't know what's going to wow you. I mean, uh, th- that is remarkable. Yeah, but Gordon, that let, let's let's say you take one of the your your uh, when your girls were younger, you went to Lagoon and you you misplaced them. You didn't just pack your stuff in the car and leave. <laughs> well, we'll adopt another. <laughs> Hey, we can't we can't find Aaron. Where where did she disappear to? Is she on the roller coaster? Uh, you know what? Whatever. Where it's okay, I, I told her seven thirty. It's seven thirty. We're out. She'll never learn unless we do this. <laughs> look, 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 look. I it's a little shy on details. All right. I don't know how that happened. But the fact is it happened somehow. I said meet at, at the ice cream. She'll stand find some ditch water to at, drink. At eight PM. I was very specific. Not you my problem are- anymore. You guys are mean. We're not though. This this woman is mean. We're, I'm here at Beluga the Well at the appointed time, we're and she's talking not. about how do you lose a kid? Just lose it. Just it's not it's not your sunglasses. And well, on a roadway. Hold on. Yeah, not, not that, at a that, store, not a, that's no, on a yeah. roadway. That that which was lost was found. Years later, what what would and happen that, if this now, other nice family you, didn't Victor find? Hugo? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> And now, now they're one big happy family, quite quite literally. <laughs> so Gordon is that guy who would just leave? No, no, I, I don't know that part of it. It doesn't go into those details. But no one's pointing the finger at the mom here. Speaking of Gordon just leaving somebody, Bowler's going to join us next. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Stay that, tuned. This, uh, this story, I protest, you guys, both of you. Shame on you. you protest that was a too fanta- much. That was a fantastic story. Come on. Hey, where's Sydney? Ah, oh, don't worry about it. We're out. We're bouncing. I, th- I think it was a great story, but I also think the questions are valid. I want to know why this child was just left and then <laughs> we're, ah, whatever. Good. Well, apparently the parents, her her new parents, found her and didn't know to whom she belonged. I look, I don't know how it works over there. And the, these other parents who just go, what? We'll, we'll get a new one. I'm not, I'm not mad at the adopted parents. No, we're mad at the biological parents. I'm concerned why parents. the biological parents didn't tell anybody, didn't ask questions. Just lost a didn't kid. Didn't turn around and go back, didn't put up well, posters. Maybe, well, well, maybe they did, and she was gone by then. I, I don't on know. On a roadway? Well, how far can a two-year-old get on a roadway? We don't even know if they were two. No, the, pa- the parents who were adopted her picked her up. It was kidnapping. <laughs> so, so this isn't exactly like the the golfers on the other fairway picking up your ball. We're talking about a we're talking about a kid. I hate it when that happens. Don't you hate it when that happens? Hey, look, give me my ball back. The road here. Oh, it's a kid. Let's just keep it. Hey, were you playing a range ball? Yeah, I was. Well, I think I'm billions hey. of people over there in China. I don't know how it works. Maybe, maybe I don't know. You better maybe. look to see if that's a Shrixen before you hit it. <laughs> Wait, Gordon, you think the law in China is finders keepers? You think that's how the adoption laws go? 
beats me. Look, she might have gone to the police and said, hey, I lost my daughter, and they couldn't find her, and these other people picked her up, and maybe they didn't report her. I I don't know how it worked. That story doesn't go into that. See, Sven captures the the moment beautifully, as usual. He tweets and he says, the headline, quote, her daughter is marrying her son, unquote, is completely different than saying, quote, her lost daughter is marrying her adopted son, unquote. Also, who finds a kid on the side of the road and thinks, well, I guess she's mine now. Right. The headline on the story reads, woman finds out on son's wedding day that bride is actually her long lost daughter. And that is fake news. That is not the story. That's, it got me. It would get him to click on it. Yeah. How is that? How is that? On it. How is that fake news? Because, because it left not. out the word adopted. It son. did. Yeah. Biological well, son married still her son. daughter would yeah, be still her son. It does. Talk, it does talk, matter. No, it does. You yes, talk to any. Does. You talk to any adopted parents, and that, that's their kid. That's no, not that's not what I'm saying. That's not the point. I'm saying the blood relation. If a blood son there's, married a blood daughter, then that's icky. Yeah, there's but a you scientific guys are complete, element. You are to completely this. missing the point of the remarkable part of the story that makes it what it is is news because it's extraordinary. And that's it's what it turned fact, into. The fact that a woman lost her daughter and that just <laughs> by fate somehow. Her adopted son ended up meeting and falling in love with the long-lost daughter. And then at the wedding, the mom recognizes the birthmark and says, wait a minute, this is some, there's something here. That's the remarkable part of the story, not whether they're biologically related or not. That's why you clicked on it. It is not. It is, too. I saw the headline. Exactly. Exactly. And the headline was misleading. All right, Bowler's next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network. Brian Taylor joining us, Real Golf Radio. So the appetizer starts with pigs in a blanket. That's delicious. And you got to hand it to Dustin Johnson to put pigs in a blanket on a Masters Club dinner. Like, is there a more prestigious in all of sports dinner club and he goes with pigs in a blanket and then oh by the way just class up the joint we're gonna go lobster and corn fritters look we all enjoy pigs in a blanket i just don't know if that's uh, a master's dinner that's all i've got the image of me eating like four of those just before i get into my filet with lobster tail and how that would be i like how you're like pair well you're like hey bring more of those over here <laughs> <laughs> hey faldo can i have yours yeah <laughs> i'm hungry Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Out to the Zone.